progress. Welcome to Highway Diary. I'm your host, Eric Collarbach. This is episode 334 with Frantic Missy. How you doing? Hello, I'm doing good. Uh, had better days. How about yourself? I'm, I'm uh, you know, a couple days out of jail. I feel okay, though. Um, uh, you know, I get a lot of relief from going to Ricky Lord's boxing gym every day. Um, this is the first time I am meeting you. You know, I, uh, I was in... Second time. Well, I was in Dallas. Uh, I drove Klaus Schwab Jr. to uh, a tinfoil hat show in Dallas. And I was in the back, and I uh, he like bumped the line. He like went in front of you, um, for yeah. night time. I got told, I got told to sit down on stage. I was like, how am I supposed to do stand up sitting down? How am I supposed to follow this guy? Yeah, <laughs> he's rude, and he's just really um, he's been terrorizing me for decades. So, um, it's not it's not his fault. Liberal logic. Yeah, you know, yeah, he's a victim of his entitlement. You know, he's got chronic entitlement syndrome, I, I suppose. So he doesn't know how to behave uh, around. Uh, you refer to yourself. You refer to yourself as being elite. No, I'm, I'm a poor person. <laughs> what do you mean? When Klaus refers to himself as being elite. Yeah. He might have a problem. <laughs> yeah. No, it gets confusing. Trust me. I mean, sometimes uh, people get phone calls late at night, and uh, they're and like Klaus will leave them a message, and I'll have no memory of it. You know what I mean? So, um, but you actually like there's people on TikTok, <laughs> like the weirdos on TikTok that have like multiple personalities. You're like, oh, this is the one to let him in. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's a very confusing statement. I don't know what you mean by that. You accidentally sent me a picture of your dog, um, you know, kind of crawling up. Uh, any more uh, pictures of your puppies for me to enjoy later? Uh, He's He's literally climbing up my ass, like, right oh. now, right, Yoshi? This is Yoshi. Hi, Yoshi. He, uh, this is his, his, uh, his flying nun impression. Yeah. <laughs> or his, uh, he, he also looks like uh, Pinky from Pinky and the Brain, and he's just as smart. He does, yeah. I think he runs your whole operation, right? He's your producer. He's your uh, research Absolutely. assistant. He, he's a hard driver, too. He, like, makes me do I'm like, I don't want to do work. And he's like, it's time to work. Yeah, so. yeah. It's good to have somebody behind you. Good team, you know. <laughs> um, so I, I got to tell you this: we were supposed to s record on Sunday, the thirteenth Super Bowl Sunday. Uh, um, yeah. And uh, this is, I mean, I was arrested, and um, uh, what happened was, uh, you know, my roommate, um, my roommate, um, well, Cla Klaus Schwab Jr. was staying, and so we've been, he's been my roommate, I guess. And um, he was trying to do a, a drug deal and get someone else involved that had no idea what was going on. And I just went like this. I just pushed him out of the door. I locked it. And then he called the cops on me for assault. And so I got done for assault. But, uh, you know, it took them a while to come. I think they came from Fredericksburg, Texas. And they showed up and they're like, hello, Texas Police Department. And they were like in leotards, touching my beard and shit. I was like, what the hell's going on? You're not from Texas. Oh, no, we're definitely from Texas Howdy's in Cowgirl. I was I, like, what the? They're like, we must confiscate your Speedo collection. Yes, we have to touch you. We have to give you a physical examination. I was like, what the hell? And then, uh, anyway, I'm going to Oktoberfest. This is real. I'm going to Oktoberfest, September. And um, I'm, to get later, Jose, I'm going to Fredericksburg, Texas. So it's just hella German there. But anyway, I think you can uh, see what I'm getting at. So um, someone I live Operation with. Operation Paperclip? Huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Dude, if you go to Fredericksburg, it's literally like a little Germany. It's uh, Fredericksburg, Texas. I don't know why. You, there's just sausage and beer. It's just, that's what it is. Sounds uh, like my kind of place. Yeah. But then uh, I call. I got bailed out. And, you know, Klaus Schwab shows up in a Mercedes Senior. And he's like, he ba- you know, bails me out. And then he drives me home. And then I'm like, uh, are you guys going to drop the charges? He's like, you know, being poor is your whole adult life is a punishment enough. And he just, you know what I mean? So it's like these people just play with me like a, like a cat with a yarn ball, you know? So I'm glad you got out safe. Like as a single mom, like getting arrested isn't really a nightmare for me. It's like kind of a vacation. Like someone please take my phone. Someone else is going to make me food. Yeah. Oh my God. Like, please. Can I, like 20, 23 hours of sleep and like real sleep. Not like the hand underneath the door be like, mom, are you done with your nap? I'm done with my nap now. Thank you. <laughs> it would be nice. Being arrested is like something single moms like dream of. But like, please, someone take me away. <laughs> right. So I get away from this responsibility. Um, no, but that was really it. Uh, okay. My roommate, Klaus Schwab Jr. Okay. My roommate, that, like, trying to, I just push him out. And he wants concealment to do meth, right? So for him, it was, the idea was get him in jail so that I can conceal my meth use for the night. For the night. And that's really what the case was. So. That's the nightmare I'm living in. If anyone wants to live in Austin, Texas and be my roommate, uh, slide in my DMs. Uh, oh, five, 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 right? <laughs> Eric at gmail.com. I'd happy to field an email in this regard. Um, is there a revolution happening in Canada right now? What's going on in Canada, Frantic Missy? Dude, I've been, I've been watching this for the last like week or so. Like, I, I was like... I had, to go, I had to go to the grocery store to pick up my groceries. I was like, they might get cold or hot or whatever. Whatever's wrong. And uh, I was like, oh, my God, I can't leave. I can't leave the house. You were like, hey, can you be ready earlier? And I was like, I don't know because yeah. I was running late because I've been watching this shit like clockwork. Oh, my God. Like, I can't believe this is even real. This is the largest uh, event that's happened in North America since, like, what, the Whiskey Rebellion? Like, this is insanity. And it came from Canada. Who saw that coming? See? They're so polite. I you would know. never expect them to be the ones that are like, I mean, granted, I would expect them to have the most peaceful protests, not like we had, you know, in the summer of love. But granted, I mean, like, dude, like, hats off to the Canadians for, like, pulling off what the rest of us don't have the guts to do these days. That's exactly how I feel. And Trudeau is like, we have people with unacceptable views. Those are your people, you out-of-touch hair quaff. Like, no, his, his people are the Council of Four Relations. Those are his people. Yeah, exactly. So it's just the veil is coming off. The controllers, like your Trudeau, is like so out of touch. Or I just wonder, like you know, when people get in the position of power, like a Trudeau, like the trauma-based mind control, like the the different ways to gain a function, someone's loyalty like that to portray their people, and now it's just yeah. obvious to everybody. My uh, my son and I, it was so crazy because I was like showing him all the Canadian stuff because I think it's important. He's he just turned nine, like, yesterday. I, was, I think it's important that kids understand what's going on in the world, um, especially when it comes to, like, these pivotal moments of, like, look, this is, the, this is the new thing. You need to check this out. And my son looks at me, and he goes, so is Justin Trudeau like Thanos? And I'm like, he's exactly like Thanos. Perfect. That is a perfect description of him. He thinks he's doing something to help everyone, right? He really does, in his bobbed hair, and his fan- or as the Canadian truckers call him, fancy socks. Like, he really does think that he's doing, like, something to help people, you know? But at the end of the game, like, in-game, is that a bunch of people end up dying, a bunch of problems happen, 
and that the freedom is taken away. And, and it's not something where we get to request, it's not something we get to vote on. It's something that's just like, that's what's going to happen. Deal with it. Mm. I'm not sure. I, I don't know the reference of Thanos. What is, is that a comic book character? It's, it's, a, it's, a Marvel, it's a Marvel movie thing. I've got an eight-year-old, so I had to watch 23 movies in a weekend. It was, well, he's nine now. It was uh, brutal. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, they're just so out of touch. The, uh, in America, it's like, even where is Joe Biden? Is he, is he filming his fake presidency in, in some movie? He falling stage? up some stairs? Is he shitting his pants in front of the Pope? Who knows? Which is like, him falling up the stairs is like exactly like Chevy Chase playing Reagan or whatever. It's like, they're just doing bits on us. They're like it, working it on us. It does. Exactly. It feels like SNL from like the early 80s. Yeah. And if there's no actual, oh dear. Are you with us? Yeah, sorry. It was oh. my mom. She always wants something. Yeah, Hang on one second. I'm going to turn my do not disturb on. Always. Dude, she lives five minutes away from me, and it's not enough. Not enough, folks. Just not far enough. Now I know where your anxiety <laughs> comes from, Frantic Missy. So, uh, but like, yes. if if we have a green screen fake hologram president in America, there's nowhere where the truckers can go to go grab this asshole. You know what I'm saying? So Dude, I think... what's yeah. What's up with that? He has a fake White House. He does like, oh god, it's like, it's like something out of a freaking movie. Yeah, and so doesn't even go real. So the controllers just gain a function a puppet, and maybe he died like ten years ago because he looks like he has a different face now, Joe Biden. And so it's like uh, you could say that they're gaining a function his beauty because he wants to look as beautiful as Trudeau, the controlled Trudeau president. So then he either chopped his face up or it's a clone or someone had plastic surgery to look almost like Joe Biden. And then it's all in front of a green screen. It's all in a studio. There's no like real press conferences that like in the old days when journalists cannot ask hard questions, you know. It's like a shitty weather girl, except that yeah. weather girls are right 50 percent of the time. Yeah. And now you only see them in like 30 second clips because even like the... That's intentional. The body double has Alzheimer's as well to keep it realistic, you know. The next thing, the next thing you know, they're going to tell us that Michelle, Michelle Obama doesn't have a dick. Yeah. I can't trust the internet. I can't trust the government anymore. I'll tell you. you it, and Klaus Schwab Jr. is always bragging to me that he made suckings on it. He's like, I made suckings on this. You know what I mean? Oh, I, I believe that. He put I believe it, that 100%. Yeah. Um, so celebrities, they get a platform... Uh, the controllers green light their hundred million dollar movie to give propaganda, and then sometimes you they said, have their own ideas or something. Celebrities, and they get a you little. You said they get a platform. They get you mean a like yappy. You mean like uh, uh, from Travis Scott having a platform where he's like or whatever? Wow, like people get murdered. That kind of platform because that's how they think of themselves as like being above all of us in Astro World. Yeah, like when he's standing, he's literally on a platform looking down amongst people that are getting, like, all kinds of stuff happening, problems going on in the crowd, and he's still on a platform and he's making weird noises, and he's like, this is who I am, and that's who you are, please mind your place. What do you think that was? Was that the audience in a mass hypnosis? Was that them all on drugs? Was that directed energy weapon beta testing? What was going on? I think they did the direct energy beta testing when they had um, the the Paradise California fires, the DW stuff in California a couple years ago. Uh, I think this was specifically intended to be a uh, a ceremony of sorts, like a religious thing. The more eyes on, the better, like because that's how they depend on you to like get it stuck in your head. And I think that there's too much symbolistic uh, issues 
involving uh, the number of people that died, uh, the position of the people, like him being on a platform, the weird noises that were going on, which, you know, crazier people than me have gone, like, through the hurts of it, like, and explain how, like, that, that kind of trance, uh, that trance meditation can affect the crowd. Uh, there's a lot to unpack there. I don't think we'll ever know the truth because, unfortunately, uh, government agencies that have the alphabet letters, uh, not the alphabet people, the other alphabet people, equally is weird. Uh, the alphabet people, FBI, CIA, NSA, so forth and so on, they'll never investigate something like that because to them, uh, they're indoctrinated and that is also a part of their modus operandi. So I don't think we're ever going to find out the truth about that one. Yeah, and I think that why would that be advantageous for the controllers? Well, if they know that in this uh, arena, Travis Scott has a concert, um, that, that it's kind of a controlled environment, right? So then they can have these directed energy weapons, make everybody crazy, like, you know, stampede each other. And then why would that be advantageous? Because if uh, enough of America had enough of their fake president, Joe Biden, uh, at, at the green screen, they would storm the White House. And uh, January 6th, I think, was kind of a false flag to kind of dissuade Americans from doing something like this. But realistically, if they did storm the White House and said, we're done with this revolution, it's our constitutional right to alter or abolish our tyrannical government, then they could use those directed energy weapons and have everyone stampede each other and make us look like assholes instead of finish the tyranny, end the tyranny. What if I were to tell you that the Travis Scott incident, uh, which Alex Stein so thoughtfully thought to point out, he said it was a uh, Tavistock Travis Scott incident. Uh, but what if I were to tell you that I think that the whole purpose of all that, it wasn't just because it was, it's a satanic, satanic ritual, right? But also because now when you have big concerts like that, they can now induce the concept of having face recognition software where they're going to try to push that you need to have a face that goes with your ticket. Right. So you can't scalp anymore. You can't scalp. It's not just about scalping. It's also about, like, uh, you can't give tickets to a friend if you don't want to. That's just, like, the, the, the peon, like, uh, very unawake. Like, just from the, the, I live in California, like, sup, hang 10. Like, that, like, you can't trade your tickets for all. But really, what it's really about is, like, again, them tracking your face. Do people really think that the Snapchat filters and, like, the Instagram filters are there because they want to make you look better? Do they care about how you look? I don't think that's what's driving the algorithm. I do think, though, that there are major government organizations that take that information and are using that to be able to see what you look like. That's why they have the old lady face. Why else would you have that? Mm. They're tracking your face, and they're putting it in a category, and they might not know how to read all of it yet. As far as quantum computers are concerned, we're very, we're very much on the cusp of figuring that stuff out. We have one that I'm aware of called Alice. That's a quantum computer. But as soon as they, like, crack the quantum computer for all, we're going to look at all that stuff that the NSA has been holding up in their buildings for years, and they're going to be able to go through that like, like, no problem. And having facial identity at something like concerts, people that are younger, as they get older, when you get someone who's like 13, 12, you know, 14 years old, and they're like, I'll just do whatever to get into them. I'll do whatever it takes to get in the concert, right? Like, they're going to be taking these people's faces, adding age filters onto them, which they beta tested through us, right? Through Instagram models, which I use that term very loosely. Uh, they beta tested it through that. So now the government has the ability to tell what you're going to look like in 20 years. So even if you think about committing a crime, 
there's a way for them to have already your picture on file, what you look like at that time. And on top of that, remember that Facebook knows when you go to the bathroom, okay? They have a new technology that Google has put out to where if you are typing on your computer, they can tell by the way that you type and use your mouse whether, whether or not you're going to be uh, propitiated to have uh, Parkinson's disease. That data is so valuable when it comes to insurance companies and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a trap of your own narcissism. If you're on your phone taking 400,000 selfies going, my face looks cute when I do this. My face looks cute when I do this. Then the government algorithm is like, yes, give me this information. Then when I see you well, using yeah. that duck face on your way to go commit a crime or not, uh, we have your algorithm. It's very weird. Your credit score, really? your social credit score, your digital ID, That's your coming. vaccine passport, the transhumanist, techno-fascist dictatorship. Or Baphomet worship, whatever you want to call it. It's Baphomet yeah. worship. Yeah, Klaus uh, Jr., when he calls me, he's always, like, confused about those issues. He kind of conflates them. Um, well, let's just put it this way. They got all the parts, none of the brains. That's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah, he's, he's uh, very uh, unaware of his... Uh, how, he per how others perceive them. Um, so celebrities, they get a platform, people start to listen to them. Uh, Alec Baldwin just murders someone in cold blood on a movie set with a prop gun. P plausible deniability. This was just a prop gun. Oh my God, they had a bullet in it? That's crazy. I mean, I worked in Hollywood. That is impossible. For that you know you happen, were in jail, yeah. but Tim Dillon interviewed him. Tim Dillon interviewed Alec Baldwin about the situation. Tim Dillon went on. I think Tim Dillon went on Alan Baldwin, Alec Baldwin's podcast. Oh, what is that called? A snooty, out of touch cunt podcast. Anyway, I don't know. Uh, I'm still waiting for him to get a teardrop tattoo. Yeah, I, I, my favorite podcast Alec Baldwin ever did was when he called his son, a, uh, his daughter, a fat, dumb, a fat little pig. Pod. Pig. Yeah, that that's the kind of guy that I look to for direction as a female. Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the guy who we should all be listening to. He's got it all the together. Go the ghost from Beetlejuice, not even the main one. Yeah. Okay. The court-appointed phone call she was five minutes late to. You're a fat, rude little pig. Yeah. Anyway, cut yeah. me my podcast. Well, I hate these people. I hate Hollywood people. They're so out of touch. But some and of the them sad thing is, is that it affects comedy like so badly because you end up with like all these people that you you think comedy is such a it's such a strange organization of people yeah. like you got people that you think are your friends but they're not really your friends it's like hanging out with high school girls yeah uh there's social mathematicians in la i lived in la for six years not one person's your friend they're they're a social mathematician they're like oh. well i'll be 12 percent friends with you because your dad has a boat i'll be 15 percent friends with this person because they got the hot girlfriend with the big tits i'll be 28 percent friends with this person because their cousin has a great job you know and it's just like it's just a house of mirrors well, it makes sense that these people are all in line yeah. with the CIA because it's all about optics. Yeah. Paris Hilton, she went to a torture school. Have anything to say about that? She... I, saw the, I saw the YouTube documentary. I don't know if you saw it or not. But here's the thing. Like, they all go to these torture schools. I mean, for example, there's this whole clip going around that's Matthew Perry talking about how he beat the shit out of Justin Trudeau because they went to the same school together. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Matt Perry from Friends went to the same yeah, high, the torture one. high school as Justin Trudeau. Yeah. These elites, right? What lizard people? They just they. Yeah. I don't know what we expect. Like lizard people gonna lizard. Yeah. 
And, uh, you know, the same torture that you have in your soul, Matt Perry, that makes him do cocaine every, uh, for 25 years after Friends yep. ends, is the same pain. Like Jimmy Kimmel when he falls off the stage because he's too drunk. Yeah, same shit. The same pain in Justin Trudeau's heart when he uh, has cognitive dissonance between what the Canadian people want and what he wants because, you know, his controllers and his programming are screwing around with the nuts and bolts in his head. He's equating, like, this protest to him running out of hair gel. That is how much it's bothering him. Yeah. Ugh. Alec Ball will Paris help him. What happened to Princess Diana, Frantic Missy? I mean, we're, we're just solving all the problems right now. Back to back. Uh, Princess Diana, well, I mean, we know the queen kills her. I mean, so blatantly obvious. But the craziest thing about the whole Princess Diana thing, which nobody seems to, like, catch on to or talk about, isn't just uh, the fact that, obviously, like, Jodie Fayed and, and her, they killed and they paid off, you know, the Fayed family. Uh, but on top of that, <laughs> the person that was supposed to be negotiating, like, uh, a breakup, makeup, like, get back together, like, speech between uh, Princess Diana and Prince Charles, the person, they, the, the queen herself, the head of my five, the head of my six, the head of the, uh, the Church of England, right? She chose Jimmy Savile to be the person to talk between the two of them to try to get them back together. Did you know that? Yeah, Jimmy Savile, the... Uh, uh he was a Jim will fix it, and then he was a procurer yep. of children for the royal family, and yep. he's a good, the marriage counselor. He, he went to Christmas at Balmoral. Nobody else got to go, but he got to go. And then on top of all that, like, they covered up for him. And there's a big scandal going on right now with Boris Johnson, where he said, um, I think his name is Star. Do not quote me on this. He's, a, he's, a, he's the opposite. He's like the head of the house or whatever, how you explain their government there. Oh, they wear wigs. It's weird. Uh, but... He, like, basically called him out and said, you let Jimmy Savile off when you were a prosecutor. And, like, there's, like, been, like, people riding in the streets in Scotland and all. And, as a matter of fact, like, one woman got tackled by, like, 16 people. Did you see that? One woman because got what? A woman got tackled by, like, 15 cops at one time. Uh, the clip can be found on, uh, oh, crap, what is his name? It's in the park. Busca in the park. B-U-S-K-A in the park. He's been covering all these, like, Brighton. Uh, protesting off. So they were protesting Boris Johnson letting Savile off when they, he was a prosecutor. The other guy, uh, Stemmet, I think is what his name is. You know, quote me on that. I can't keep up with British politics like your teeth. I can't even look at him smile. It creeps me out. But, like, dude, I'm sorry. It's not my fault. Fix it. Yeah. You, social health care is doing a great job, guys, let me tell you. Uh, but, yeah, like, Boris Johnson said this thing about the, the guys in the opposite part of the party, and if you listen to the clips or whatever, the video clips, it's like, I will. I cannot believe. Like, and like, people are like screaming about this in the parliament because Boris Johnson said this thing, and they're like, they're like yelling at him to apologize and all. And he won't apologize because what he said is fucking true. But all the media outlets painted as, uh, no, this guy did not cover up for Jimmy Savile. Boris Johnson is crazy and probably a drunk. And like, this is what we're dealing with. We're dealing with like media that will straight up lie to your face. And I don't know what to do, man. Like, I, I just hide out in my house forever, like self quarantine myself in the media. What do you do? It's just very interesting in the Savile case. Everyone knew there was like hundreds and hundreds of complaints of him being a pedophile. And the day he died, the BBC released all this footage that they had for 10 years, or all this evidence they had for years and years. That is a, that is a royal family decision. Like, okay, well, we'll let this out, evidence out after he's dead so he cannot um, face judgment. Like, he can't be cross-examined because he's going to implicate the British royal family. He's not the only one, though, because we're also dealing with someone like, I don't know, Clement Freud, 
who was Sigmund Freud's grandson. Sigmund Freud's grandson, who is married to an actress named Jane, I think it's Fawcett. She's the character that Lucy, that C.S. Lewis was based off of. Guess what day C.S. Lewis died? November 22nd, 1963, the same day as JFK, and the same day as Aldous Huxley. And all these, all these dirtbags, all these lizard people, for lack of a better word, all, they're all connected. Then you've got Nicole Kidman's father in Australia, never served a day in prison. They never do. Jeffrey Epstein never served, but like what, a, a week and a half in prison? Jill Lane is like checking her submarine license, being like, any minute, I'm going to get out of this. But I mean, legit, like these people, they don't, nothing happens to them. I get so mad when it comes to politics. Like I used to call myself a Republican. I used to call myself, uh, you know, a libertarian. I used to call myself a lot of different things. Now I just call myself a constitutional existentialist because like the constitution is the only set of laws we can trust. And like, I'm, I think we're all connected. I think everything that we do is like important towards each other. And we've got these people in politics and all that like they want to take things like the basic constitutional you know, stuff that we're supposed to be doing, and they're like, oh, well, we'll just wait for the court to rule on it. And it's just, it's gotten it's so insane, I can't even, like, ugh. You, uh-huh. you know how the legal system works. You had a bad week. <laughs> I also know how Hollywood works, and it's like, how many kids, like, train uh, seriously at Juilliard? How many kids train, like, really seriously at they NYU? They send them to special schools. And they how send them to special schools. But even even like a, a working class family could could put their kid in some kind of Shakespeare conservatory because they think there's some sort of apparatus of of show business when really Trudeau and Matt Perry are in the same prep school uh, in the same frat exactly. pouring candle wax in each other's ass and then they all rise right to the top and it's like you know it's a lie yeah it's a lie you think you think if I we just sacrifice enough look your kid's never going to be Britney Spears because you aren't high up military sorry. Yeah. If it doesn't, uh, you know, appease the empire, and we know later on the prognosis of this person isn't going to be a blabbermouth, uh, then we'll, uh, and we can control them. That's why Hollywood's so mediocre, because they don't let anything through that's honest. That's why CNN, they're like, just like your friend. If your friend is always lying to you, you don't listen to him anymore. And now CNN is like, you know, very confused that the ratings are down 90%. It's like, no, they're like going to focus groups and all this shit. Stop lying every day is the only thing. Like, but they won't do that because their their paychecks come from the. They're doubling down. They're yeah. tripling down. Because their paychecks. They're doing. Come, they're doing yeah. what liars do. They're lying because that's where they're comfortable. <sighs> I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I, I do. I have one hundred and eighty percent. Like, this is. I mean, call me crazy. I'm not like a Bible beating holy roller or anything. Not even close. But I, I do think that this is like spiritual warfare, and I think it goes back to the beginning of time. I think that we've been dealing with the same problems and these same assholes since the beginning of time. And I think that the stuff that goes on in Hollywood, like all the uh, the elite clubs, and like I think they put you through that that whole rigmarole to find out who is loyal to the cause and who isn't. And then you got people like I don't know Isaac Cappy, probably midget. Uh, you got people like Isaac Cappy, right, that come out and say like this person did this, this person did that. You got people like I mean thousands and thousands of people said Bill Cosby was a monster, and no one did anything for years. I met. How about Harvey Weinstein? No one did anything. But here's the thing: it's spiritual warfare because the way the Bible works, like just going off the Bible, not the Epic Gilgamesh or all the other texts that are out there, like such as the uh, the the Tibetan Book of the Dead, the Egyptian Book of the Dead, which all also prove the same concept: is that God, like for real, like the thing in the sky, male, female, I don't care if it's Lana Morissette. Uh, made us in his image 
and everything else was spoken into being, and we were made out of clay and made in his image, right? Which means that we have the endowed ability to create. Well, these darknesses, for lack of a better word, they cannot create because they were not, they were made to serve. They were made to copy. They were made to agree with each other. They were made to, to oh my, yes, you're so, you're so good at this. Oh no, you're the best. No, no, you're the best. That's what they're made to do. So of course they come up with movies like Ghostbusters with all, uh, all female cast. They can't create. And you know what they say, Eric? They say the opposite of war isn't peace, it's creation. And it's true. That is the truth. Creation is the only way that we can get back to these mofos because they can't create. And that's why they keep coming up. I mean, if you see the new Bel Air show that's like all serious, like, I'm like, dude, you got to be freaking kidding me. Yeah. You're taking the thing in the 90s that evened out the racial. Like, I never looked at black people as being black. First of all, I grew up in like a 90% black classroom for like three years. So, like, I was like, white girl that they would argue, they would trade erasers to braid my hair, right? That, that's what I dealt with. And then you've got, like, Fresh, Fresh Friends, you've got Family Matters, right? You have these shows that in the 90s, we didn't even look at, like, I didn't think about it at all until I was told to, like, 10 years ago, when they were trying to bring up the Operation Wall, the uh, Occupy Wall Street movement. It wasn't a thing until then. And now they're taking that same symbol of American equality, which is Fresh Friends of Bel-Air, right? Everyone could equate that. Everyone understands that. Everyone loved that. Everyone loved Family Matters, right? Everyone. It didn't matter what color your skin was. We didn't even look at it. It wasn't even a thing. And now they're taking that and now they're bastardizing it. And they're coming out with it, of course, on their NBC channel. It, it's just, it's, and they advertise it up Super Bowl. It's absolutely insane. I, it, it, we, live in, we live in clown world. It just, to me, it comes from insecurity. When you're so insecure that you don't want to have an opinion, you don't want to have an original screenplay. I mean, I got my master in screenwriting from the University of New Orleans. And, uh, you know, there's so many people who have all these original screenplays, but you know, reading is hard and why not just regurgitate the same old shit that came out someone else's ass who had a creative thought once in the eighties. Well, this is a, this is a symptom of producers getting a hold of script and being like, this is going to make money. This is going to make money. And when the people that can't create, like they're good at delegating, they're good at running a company, but they're not good at deciding what's going to be a hit or not, because that's not their job. Like, that's not what they do. What they do is they make sure the money is there. They make sure that everything's in place, that they're, that they're not going to run out of money on the set. That's their job. But instead, now they're interjecting themselves because they get this power rush. Now they're interjecting themselves into what is going to be a hit book or a hit movie or not. And what you end up is a whole bunch of bastardized, bullshit producer suit, for lack of a better word. And it's like, what about what, what, what this in there? How about this? Well, I have this. That'll really make, that'll be edgy. Yeah, real edgy. And you can even hear them, like, just echoing and, like, making crap. They're making crap. I also think, like, you know, Jackson Pollock, he was a painter, and he was very frustrated because he would spend years and years on this one painting, and then he couldn't sell it for $30. And then he just started to be so, so frustrated with his industry that he started basically throwing paint at a canvas and then this is, like, to fuck you to the industry, and the industry's like, oh, bold. That's bold. So now he like shits on a canvas. It's, it says Jackson Pollock in the corner. Now it's worth $2 million. That is how insecure people are. So the, instead of saying, you know what? I like the painting that you actually tried on. The industry is so insecure. They go, this, this is brilliant. This is $2 million. And then he, you know, starts mass producing, throwing paint on a canvas. Anyone can reproduce this in their garage. Anyway, but it doesn't say Jackson hey, Pollock hey, in the corner. Hey, hey, that is a little too close to the belt. If you look behind me, 
<laughs> that is some brilliant work by your nine-year-old back there. No, that's that's me. I, I oh. do my I do my best. And, oh, uh, at least I'm trying, right? But yeah, I mean, like exactly what you're saying about Pollock and all. I mean, you look at someone like Marina Abramovich. I talk about striking while the iron is hot. Like she found the exact guy, right? That was looking for exactly what she was doing when she was doing it. I don't I, think she's super talented. I oh, yeah, she's, she's so talented at, at doing these fake cannibal things. Hey, Maria Abramovich, if you're the best artist in the world, how about you do 10 minutes after I do 10 minutes of comedy? You fucking, fucking... She, she literally shits on a canvas and makes money off that. Yeah, because Hollywood's so insecure, they, have no, they don't have discernment. So they go, oh, she's the top of the Illuminati? Okay, oh, she'll greenlight my movie because she's... Suck George Soros' dick twice? Uh, uh, what the fuck? Have your own discernment, it re- Hollywood. It reminds me, like, I think she's a fake prophet. I think she's full of shit. I don't think that she's any magical special powers, no matter how much, like, you know, the Kardashians want to convince you that she does, because they like getting shit masks on their face. Who knows? But legit, like, I think people like her, she's just a grifter. She's like that uh, Elizabeth, what's her name, from that Theranos company? Yeah. Uh, yes. She's like, she's like, oh, you know, things serious. I swear, look, I've got something that you need. I can fix problems in your life. I've got the solution. Like, no. She, she's a grifter. She's in Hollywood. She's got a lot of, got a lot of grifters in Hollywood. I know what she is. I know what she is. She's the head of the OTO in New York City. That's what she is. I'm not Do you, you know, you know who Peaches Geldof is? No. Peaches Geldof is Bob Geldof's daughter. Uh, she's also Michael Hutchinson's his stepdaughter. Michael Hutchinson has himself a doorknob, right? In excess, Michael Hutchinson. Had himself with a belt with a doorknob, right? They painted him as like being this monster. But Bob Geldof is the guy that started Live Aid thing back in the 80s. Peaches Geldof, his daughter, she had a really close relationship with a guy named, yeah, it's not in front of me, but she ended up being called to testify against him and she ended up dying. But one of the mm. chief things that you can remember about Peaches Geldof is she had a big OTO tattoo. She own. said in a magazine that I just joined the OTO and then she was dead in like a month. You can't print that. Yeah. But because because they were asking her to turn, uh, I must have turned trips. <laughs> asked her to turn a uh, turn case on this guy named Ian. I can look it up real quick. But he basically was like raping babies. It was real bad. It was real ugly. And she ended up dead. Uh, when guess he- who didn't serve a day? Yeah. When Hillary's clone goes to you for uh, Crowley advice, then, uh, you know. That's Maria. Do you know Roberts. you can spot? Huh? Do you know you can spot if it's a clone or not? Look for the colostomy bag. <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah, I, I read about that, Peaches. Um, uh, so. Yeah, that was a mess. Uh, the British royal family. You said something about Belmore Castle. Can we go back to that? What exactly is Belmore Castle? Bummer Castle is like their Scottish estate that they have. Um, if you ever watch the show The Crown, which you might not have, but your, your people might have, <clears throat> um, it's the castle that uh, to be like part of the royal family, Princess Diana had to go to. Like to be, I mean, she had to go hunting with like, the queen or whatever to be included as part of the family. Human it's like their super secret. Yeah, it's their super. It, it's, it's the same as like. Uh, the Rothschilds and like their castle and yeah. like the, the Black Forest that they sold up in a fire sale, right? Or in Charleston, South Carolina, where I'm from, we had a place called uh, Medway Estates, which uh, is a big old mess. 
going to get me started on the woman Gertrude Legander that started that in the OSS and her daughter, uh, Bacara Legander, who's the person who pulled, she had the camera. She's the only person who took pictures of RFK shooting. Mm. All that's her footage. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of these little places. It, it, it always cracks me up when people are like, Epstein Island is so awful. I'm like, dude, there's so many Epstein Islands. That's just one of so many. Like, that's just one. Like, there are many others. Yeah. Look here, not there, you know? Yeah, drive around the Hollywood Hills. Every uh, house with a with a metal gate. What do you think? Why do you think they bought that? Why do you think they bought that steel gate? To keep, I don't know they're trying to keep out. But... Or keep in. Or keep in. That's a good point. <laughs> Electric fences work. Yeah. You know, blood in, blood out. That's how that's how the elite works. Same as uh, the as mafia, a, you know. As above, so below. Uh, and also, think about the trauma of, you know, I was arrested for 24 hours. It was annoying. It was a little traumatic. Imagine the trauma How was of, your food? They threw... How was the food? You should do, you should do a food review. Dude, they, they had a brown paper bag, and they threw it at me. And it had two craft yep. singles in it, four loaves, four slices of wheat bread, a fruit, cookie. a fruit cup, which was the only thing I ate every time, and uh, like, like stinky bologna in a in a bag. Bro. Ugh. Yeah. Four, yeah. Four. They actually there's a there's a big scandal about the fact that they use expired food. Uh, oh, definitely. For prison, for, yeah, they definitely do, especially the people that are getting in and out. Because they don't care about your long-term health. They don't have to. You're getting in, you're getting out. They'll make, like, pudding with water. Uh, I mean, I, I, I am no really clean white angel here myself. I spent, like, a week in jail when I was in my 20s. Because my dad was like, I'm not getting you out. Mm. He's like, you're going to stay there. You're never going to do this again. And guess what happened? You'll be shocked. Never did it again. 20 years ago, doing pretty good. <laughs> you were a but, I mean, it, took, it took, like, a week. Oh, God. Well, I, my dad's a pastor. Oh, uh, a little repressed. Hey, okay. Yeah, um, I went off the deep end. <laughs> what was your first, uh, you know, kind of raised sheltered, then you kind of party going crazy. What was your, like, black pill moment of, like, the system is, is unfair type of thing? Uh, <clears throat> honestly, like, I, I've always been, like, a serial optimist. Uh, up until when Trump went to go leave the White House and he didn't, he didn't pardon Julian Assange. No, Julian Assange didn't do anything. He didn't like make future part. That that's when I was like, dude. I mean, I I, I wanted to believe. Like I was hook, line, and sinker. Like Republican Party, woo! Like going to rallies. Like we can do this. Like yes, yes, finally, someone who's saying something different. And then when that happened, I was like, the same old motherfuckers. Yeah, it's the same old. Like all that hope and all that. I mean, it's hope porn. And just like porn, when you're done, you feel cheap, you feel used, you feel like it's not the same, there's no intimacy in it, right? And then you feel a little bit guilty for participating. Yeah. I know. That's why I stopped uh, making pornos, you know, because... Uh, uh, you gotta you know, have both. The money was good, but, you know, my soul was getting uh, blood in, blood out. Um, <laughs> uh, and also, you know, it's so funny that the British royal family, they, they're so obsessed about genetics. And, and uh, you know, I almost think Princess Diana was just a, a vessel for her, her genetics. Like, she just was there to birth the uh, 
son of Satan or something in some, at Belmore Castle, perhaps. And after she birthed these two freak children, then they uh, offed her, you know? That's interesting that you say that, because it wouldn't be at Balmoral. It would be at something called Glamis Castle. Glamis Castle is also in Scotland. It's where Princess Margaret was born. Um, there's a bunch of creepy shit. Like, that is... I, I highly advise anyone who hears this to Google Glamis Castle, and then just for shits and giggles, GlamisCalling.com. Mm. Um, so, you know, maybe she was just a, a birthing instrument. And then um, they're so obsessed with uh, inbreeding to get the perfect blood because they have the divine right to rule. Now, my lineage to rule comes from Vlad the Impaler. Who give, it's like, what, do you, what did you accomplish today? I'm retarded, but what I say is my lineage of rulership goes back really... Are you meritocratically the best ruler? I have the blood to do this. Like, this is how they think. Um... So they're not. Never the, forget that yeah. Queen Elizabeth was married to her second cousin. Now, Eric, if I were coming to you, I'm like, hey, Eric, dude, I've met the man for me. I'm so, oh my God, it's perfect. It's going to be great. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna air it on television, our wedding, everything. It's going to be crazy. And you go, who are you marrying? I'm like, my second cousin. You'd be like, yeah. Just, just, just back up, back, back up, back the fuck up. Right? Right, right. But because the Queen does it. Really fine. I love how we have an American stereotype of like people that have sex with their cousins are like idiots and like adults and like uh, I'm not I'm not I'm making an argument for it at all by the way. But we have that like it's like oh you know deliverance right. But in reality, you got the Queen of England, you've got uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, you've got uh, Einstein. Einstein was was cousin banging. He was definitely someone's cousin, right? Yeah. And like we just it. Uh, they all went to prep school together. Ones, man. And they all went to school together. They all, I mean, if you notice, all the royal family for like a thousand something years, they all go to the same schools and they go to the same colleges. And they send their kids off when they're like five years old. Mm. Five years old. Why so young? Probably because they owe some diddle kid a favor because they borrowed his diddle kid. So they're just trading diddle kids. You said about Nicole Kidman that her dad was a a high-level parliament yep. person in Australia, high-level pedophile. Eyes Wide yep. Shut, she was, like, almost playing herself in Eyes Wide Shut. And by the way, Stanley Kubrick... She's, she's playing your sister. She's playing your sister. Stanley Kubrick died uh, in the editing Before after process. he shot the moon landing. Yeah, in the editing process of Eyes Wide Shut, he suddenly died. And why did he die? In his contract, he had final cut. So the studio could not override him. So whatever his vision was, that was the movie per contract. Oh, well, unfortunately, he died during editing. What really happened was he showed them the full cut before the theaters. They killed him right there. And then um, they cut 23 minutes off at the end. And what the movie was supposed what to... What an interesting number, 23. Mm -hmm. And what hmm. it, that was supposed to show was at FAO Schwartz, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman's character gave them their kid for entry in the Illuminati, but they cut that part off. That was too much. You know who else had full cut, final cut of his show on CNN, Anthony Bourdain? Uh, again, somebody who hung themselves from a doorknob with a belt. What does that mean? So did. I don't know. I wish I could answer that. I have a folder in my phone with like 490 screenshots. 
of like people that have hung themselves from doorknobs. It's absolutely berserker. Him, uh, Kate Spade hung herself from a doorknob. Uh, uh, David Carradine hung himself from a doorknob with a belt. Uh, scarves and belts and doorknobs. Which how do you even do that? The only person who did it right was Aaron Hernandez, who soaked his whole body up before he's like, "I got this, bro." Yeah. <laughs> like, Michael Hutchinson, uh, Jonathan Brandis, Chris Cornell, Chester Bennington. Okay, doorknob, 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 doorknob. The fuck. You can't let the vampire no in the threshold of your room. Don't let the vampire in the room. Is that what the symbolism is? I don't know, but I think the most amazing thing about the Bourdain cases is the fact that, like, his girlfriend at the time was Asia Argento. Okay, first of all, the story, the whole Me Too thing, was broken by uh, Rowan uh, Rose McGowan. Which is Mia Farrow. No, oh. it was Rowan Farrow, which is, uh, he's, a, he's a journalist at the time. And that is Mia Farrow. And Woody Allen's supposed son, but wait, everyone thinks he's actually Frank Sinatra's son because it looks just like Frank Sinatra, right? So we got Woody Allen, creepy, right? We got Mia Farrow, Rosemary's baby, right? And their their son Rowan, that may or may not be, you know, Sinatra's son, uh, breaks the whole Me Too thing. Who does he choose? Who's the first person to come out and like shout from the rooftops the Me Too stuff? Well, that's Asia Argento. Uh, Asia Argento was uh, Anthony Bourdain's uh, girlfriend at the time. And she actually ended up getting me to herself because she was having a relationship with like a 14-year-old little boy on the set of her movies and Anthony Bourdain was paying her up, paying the kid off. Did you know that? I didn't know that. It's absolutely insane. Like, the, because, because here's the thing, people just read the headlines. They never do their research. Well, I also know that uh, she said at the Cannes Film Festival months before Bourdain died, that Harvey Weinstein is the tip of the iceberg and like all of you here aided and abetted him and all of you are going to go down too. Bourdain died and it's then funny. basically Hollywood died right right after. Isn't it funny how projection works? How liars always assume other people are liars. And that pedophiles automatically assume everyone else is a pedophile. But one thing you can say about Harvey Weinstein, he might have been a fucking monster and he might have had a misshaped dick, which is a thing, Eggstein. Uh, but the one thing you can say about him is you don't really see a lot of stuff about him with minors, you know? Right. What do you say about him? Asia Argento? Totally hooking up with minors. Anthony Bourdain is paying people off to cover for her. Uh, While all this is happening to us. And I get mad and when... don't even get me started on Bob Saget. Because that was a weird shit. I get mad if I'm dating a girl and she orders extra cheddar biscuits. I'm like, oh, I gotta order extra cheddar biscuits for you at Red Lobster. What, am I made of cheddar? Uh, made a cheddar, and then he's paying off his girl's underage lovers. Unbelievable. Can't take him anywhere. It's the Hollywood man. Ugh. <laughs> um, so what about Bob Saget? Huh. Bob Saget. Where do I start? Okay, so Bob Saget, as we well know, the mainstream story was he was found dead in his hotel room, right? And, of course, people on the Internet having zero tact. Started making uh, jokes about him uh, hooking up with, you know, doing cocaine and all this other stuff, right? Uh, turns out, someone stashed his skull in and tucked him into his bed like he was going to sleep. Mm. Yeah, I saw that. You he came that. out head injury. They tucked him in. Like, he had a massive, massive head injury. And they tucked him in. Which was to let you know, to make it very, very clear to anyone who was watching, that, yes, they could murder you. And when your time is up, time is up. And Bob was making some weird phone calls ahead of ta ahead of that, ahead of time. 
it was in Orlando, which we well know, Disney. I'm like, the joke that I made when it happened, I was like, oh, look, a membership at Club 33 is opened up. Right. And, uh, yeah, the whole thing is just, it, it's very, very strange. And then you start digging into his life, and you dig, dig into his past. You know how his sister had uh, that really rare disease that turned her skin into bone and all that weird stuff? Did you know that he worked for the nonprofit that uh, was the same disease that his sister ended up getting a whole year before she was ever even diagnosed with that? And he had another sister that died. So two of them wanted to go, right? Very strange path. Very strange dude. I mean, he was America's dad. I mean, he's America's other dad. Well, that's coffee. Yeah, and I was talking to Charlie Robinson, and I was like, you know, he'd made the aristocrats joke. He did this. He did that. I don't know. You know, comics have horrible yeah. jokes all the time, and so if he's had blue humor and they're conflating it, and then he was like, he was on the flight log, and I was like, okay, like Epstein's yeah. flight log. It's like, okay, there you go. There it is. He was definitely one of them. Again, how is it that his sister ends up with the disease that he's doing nonprofit for a whole year after he starts working for that nonprofit? Very strange. And why would? And it... also, don't forget, he had the America's Funniest Home Videos and all those access to kids and stuff. Like whatever. Ugh. And like, why would a sitcom guy in like a road comic like get involved in an obscure disease nonprofit? that manifests exactly. in his family unless it's predictive programming so that's according to his own biography so either his own biography is wrong right yeah or we're not being told the whole truth or there's more to the situation either way it just doesn't it doesn't seem normal um so i did a little digging on a specific topic that i know you're an expert in and i want sorry to... my dog is like oh wow sorry sorry no, your manager your manager runs this whole shit so you got to listen to your uh um <laughs> George Soros, he has a weird, obscure disease. He's blind in his right eye, associated Pobloma. with... Pobloma. Tell me about this. Uh, well, first of all, Pobloma is a partial to complete blindness in your right eye. Uh, you can look at pictures, you can Google Pobloma, and you'll see like how people's irises need to be like either whited out or blacked out. Uh, he's blind, mostly blind. I want to correct that because I got roasted. Someone else was like, oh, he's not blah, blah, blah. I'm like, whatever, bitch. Uh, but he's... Almost, he's almost completely blind in his right eye with a disease called Cobloma. But when you start looking into it, guess who else has Cobloma? Well, Madeline McCann, the little girl that disappeared in Portugal, blind in her right eye. Her iris is in the shape of a pool, by the way. Then you've got Brittany Drexel that disappeared from Myrtle Beach, uh, South Carolina in 2009, blind in her right eye. What, is the, what are the chances? I mean, I'm not a I'm not math girl, but what are the statistical probabilities of someone who disappears in 2005, who's blind in the right eye, right? And then someone else disappears in 2009, blind in the right eye. What is the statistical probability of that even happening? Hmm. They disappear, both these little girls disappear with zero trace. They thought they found clothes, they didn't. There's so much commonality. And then you got the whole thing that Madeline McCann is down the street from guess who? Clement Freud, two blocks away. He actually searched for another team. Was it, wasn't that in Rochester, New York? Uh, Brittany Drexel was from Rochester, New York. Yeah. Uh, Madeline McCann is a little girl that disappeared from Portugal that the mom was, like, being all suspicious, and they spent over a billion dollars, I don't know how you do that, looking for her. Mm. And she ended up being two blocks away from Clement Freud, 
Sigmund Freud's great grandson, whatever, that was married to the chick from C.S. Lewis, that based on Lucy, who she's apologized profusely. Clement Freud was also an MP. He was in Parliament, and he was a prolific pedophile. Didn't serve a day though. Don't worry, they never do. You know who else lives there in Rochester? You know who lives in Rochester, New York? It's called Rochester. <laughs> what the fuck, right? Uh, David Rockefeller Jr. lives in Rockefeller in uh, Rochester, I, New York. But here's the thing. Here's the kicker. I told you about that place in South Carolina called Medway, right? The woman, the car of the game, the one that I told you about that had the uh, she was the only person to ever take pictures of uh, uh, Robert Kennedy's RFK. Death. Yes, yes, the certain certain footage. She's the only person to ever get any footage, right? She ended up taking over her mother, Bokara Legandry, took over Gertrude Legandry's. Who's OSS, only one ever captured by the Nazis. She took over that plantation, right? But Carl Legandry, she started something called the Medway Institute, but guess who? You'll never guess. David Rockefeller. What is the Met what's the purpose of this institute? Brittany Drexel, Brittany Drexel disappeared. Her last thing on her phone was less than a forty five minute drive away from the Medway Institute. And why this was going on was two thousand nine. What is this institute? What, what do they do there? They do UFO and channeling research. Mm. But they need a vessel with one eye, with an eye problem, an obscure Illuminati well, disease. Brittany Drexel's right eye was in the shape of a crop. Mm. I wonder if they just scan who, what child has this affliction, and then wherever they are, they go grab them. Well, Brittany had surgery. Madeline wasn't old enough to get surgery yet. But that's what they usually do. They usually treat it surgery. Even though Brittany Drexel had surgery on her eye, it still was, you know, a blatant, like, she had to wear contacts uh, yeah. to cover it up because it was so predominant. It was very, like, you could see it, like, just looking at her on the street. Her father also has, like, weird, like, background origins. So I'm pretty sure, again, Rochester, New York, <laughs> disappeared in, in, like, outside of Rural Beach, South Carolina, 45-minute drive through the woods to this Medway Institute in 2009. Like, I'm just like, ding, 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 ding. There's... That's, I mean, what are the chances? What are the chances of that commonality? Do you know where David Rockefeller Jr. lives? What neighborhood in Rochester, New York? Oh, uh, please tell me. I don't even know. I'm not that map, much of a stalker. I Google map this. He lives in the neighborhood called Gates. Not, there's a West Gate, a North Gates. He lives in oh, Gates. Witchcraft. Witchcraft. Okay. Yeah. You know, the like portal to the other dimension. You know, like the, the threshold of the doorknob where you hang from? You let the vampire in, Anthony Bourdain. This happens to you. Have you seen my new scarf? <laughs> <laughs> right? yeah, my red scarf, you know? <laughs> um, so there's also a guy called Mihel Rockefeller, uh, you know, some kind of brat cousin. Okay, so uh, let me just preface this. I have a very good friend, and, and I'm not sure how much I want to talk to him anymore. But uh, he's done my podcast eight times or whatever. I, I literally smuggled this person from jail. I don't want to talk about that because um, it may or may not have been whatever. Um, but uh, I've uh, James Robert Wright, okay? And on my podcast, uh, so James Robert Wright is uh, a very blue-blooded individual. He's got good blood. And when he started in the Masons, he was a 32nd degree of the Scottish Rite before... His like by his mid twenties. Um, My grandfather was too. Yeah, so 
he gets a call from Michael Rockefeller saying, come to up, upstate New York and do rituals with us. And then he was, Michael is on cocaine, but he said, uh, you're, you're going to uh, go towards the light or get the heat, meaning, you know, do weird, creepy rituals with us in, in Rochester, New York, or we're going to kill you. I played this voicemail on my podcast. Um, here, here's what I want to say about this. James Wright, um, you know, is uh, a drug user, and um, you know, having that's how they get you. Having dealt with this situation, uh, chronic entitlement syndrome, um, and going to jail for trying to stop a drug deal, um, my patience with him is gone away. Now I have a lot of empathy for him because he was, you know, tortured as a kid, and he's like. But when someone is on drugs all the time saying that, and he, he's owed a lot of money from his family, so I keep explaining to him, okay, that's great. Work at a fucking grocery store, keep your head down, bundle, you know, six grand, and then get a fucking lawyer and sue your family and get your fucking money. And he cannot do this because he's so such a drug addict and so traumatized. Exactly. Well, and, you know, that's, what, that's something that people don't realize is the drugs and the alcohol. Look, you can be amazing at what you do. But if you're drunk or you're an alcoholic, you're not going to get any like respect or recognition for that. Which is crazy because people that are workaholics, people that are like one Huey Lewis in the news CD away from being like Patrick Bateman, can run like these major corporations that can tell us what we can do inside of the city town square, right? You got like Jack Dorsey with like literal beard, like birds in his beard. That's why it's called Twitter, right? You got that going on, and like. Workaholics, they're just, they get rewarded for their bad behavior. But if you're drunk, or you're an alcoholic, or you're a drug addict, or you've got like sex addiction, any of those things, any of those things, right? All that's going to do is it, it just it, it proves that the look, the symptom of the disease, if that makes any sense, the thing that you do to cope with what these people have done to you is the thing that ultimately discredits you and undermines you. Mm. Uh, drugs and alcohol will always make you look like a fool. You will never walk out the other side of that looking like you have anything together because the media, whoever it is, will just paint you as a moron. Uh, so, I mean, I advise anybody who's going through anything majorly like psychological in their life, this is not like medical advice, but damn near close to it because it's spiritual advice. You should get your shit together. Don't turn to these typical traps. Although you might feel better temporarily, it can hurt your case in the long run like your poor friend. Literally poor. You know, and he would just send me like, like literally, uh, you know, 25 texts in a row, all caps, this person's a cunt, fuck this person. He would send me screenshots of emails he was sending the old judge and like, fuck you, mm. bitch, you're gonna rot in fucking hell, you cuntily, cunt, cunt, cunt. And it's like, dude, I'm not impressed by this, dude. I'm not impressed by this. I would be impressed by him delaying his gratification, like I say, building up a, a war chest to get a lawyer to fight his fucking family who definitely owes him fucking money. But you can't do, if you're owed money uh, and you feel like you can't get it, well, and then you add uh, meth or something like that, meth or something like that yep. on top of it. Did you hear what I said? Um, it's not yeah. going to get you effing what you want, dude. So it's like, I'm owed this, I'm owed this. Well, ha okay, I understand that. What steps are you taking to get that? Doing what if drugs? they say that possession is non-sensible law? Yeah. Right? You have to own your shit. Yeah. To own anything else. 
And it also breaks my heart because the Franklin scandal, all these kids were going to testify that were used for diddles against like all these fucking politicians. And they had three grand juries. Imagine the trauma of having to take the witness stand over and over again, pointing out that person did this, that person did this, while the Illuminati of the Illuminati is, is trying to torture you away from this, giving you creepy phone calls trying to terrorize you as much as possible. They have a prison guard walk by. And gang a, stalking. Yeah, it's called a, gang stalking. And, and they do that all the time. Yeah. I mean, Antifa gang stalks people all the time. And then they said the after time. three grand juries, these witnesses aren't credible. They're all drug addicts. What do you want them yeah. to be? They've been waiting. They've been a decade uh, for a decade being re-traumatized by doing their fucking court appearances, facing their accusers in court when they are there. You know, it's just, uh, so I have a lot of empathy for my friend James Robert Wright, but he's not doing himself favors, and at the end of the day, if he doesn't, like you say, take responsibility. You, you can't give truth to those who don't seek it either. Like, never waste your time or your energy or your, your effort, like, trying to fix someone who won't fix themselves. It's not your job. I mean, it, it's, it's easily, you know, being someone who has a big heart, you know, a, a large mind and a big heart, I mean, like, the only muscle in my body that works harder than my heart is my tongue. Because I'm just blah, 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 right? But I've got a big heart. And it's really hard sometimes because I'll, I'll run into someone and I'm like, I could help them with this. I know what the rules are. I know the law about this. And it's really hard to keep my mouth shut. And unfortunately, it's, it's a skill you have to learn. Uh, empathy is nothing without self-control. Mm. Because if you just spread it all around, then when the person who actually needs your help comes along, you won't have the energy to do anything for them. Mm. So you have to like save it up for the person who deserves it. If they won't help themselves, then there's nothing you can do about that. You just gotta let it go. You gotta give them to God. And, you know, nice, nice knowing you. Stanley mm. Kubrick, you know? Mm. You just gotta like, let it go. Cause there's nothing you can do. Uh, that, people say they're black pill. You asked me earlier when I, when I know I was black pill. I'm not black pill, I'm white pill. And that's not anything except for the fact that I understand that like, I can only affect so much change like i can't the the shit that goes on in the universe right all the craziness all the the, the 13 bloodlines the demonology and the, the spirit cooking and you know the, the pissed off jackson pollock of the world all that shit right that all goes into a folder in my brain and it becomes like a piece of furniture in my house i can choose to sit in that chair or i can walk past it granted it's a part of my house it is a piece of furniture like i'm a tiny person it'll be very difficult for me to pick it up and move it i need help basically, to get rid of it, right? But I walk past this chair, and sometimes, sometimes I sit in it. Sometimes I don't. It's a part of the furniture, it's a part of the house, it's a part of the scene. I understand it's there, but I don't, like, live with that hanging over my head. The chair's not hanging over me. I sit in the chair, the chair doesn't sit on me. And that's how people have to, like, come to grips with this kind of stuff. Like, being black-pilled, it might feel great at first because it's, like, a, it's a, it's a psychological and endorphin release. To be like, I know what did it. I swear to God, we need to have some sort of belt system for people that are getting woken up because I can't take another phone conversation like with someone that's like, you got to hear this thing. And I'm like, what is it? And they're like, it's COVID. I'm like, ah, oh, not again. You got me again. Ah, the, the COVID, the COVID, like, people are worse than the disease, I swear. It's like, it's like stop. We know. We've known for a year. Stop it. <laughs> You're a yellow belt. I'm a triple black belt. I can't have a conversation with you right now. <laughs> And we got to, like, find some way to, like, organize all this stuff. Because at the end of the day, like, there are people that are white-pilled. There are people that are black-pilled. There are people that are red-pilled. There are people that are blue-pilled. 
There are people that are NPCs. There's all these different names for all these different uh, categories of woke or awake. But it's all the same freaking game. Like, anytime you make it, make it a tribalistic, like, point of view where you're like, this is my team, this is who I identify as, you're going to fail. Because, like, you can't do that. You, you can't make it your community. This is something that we all have to work towards fixing, and we all have to wake people up and, like, be honest about the truth. But you can't, like, back someone to a corner and be like, you're going to believe this or else. Like, that doesn't do anything. No one ever gets saved from seeing a billboard on the side of the highway. Right. They're not like, I'm, I committed my life to Jesus. I saw a billboard. So I pulled over at the nearest porn store on the truck stop, and I committed my life to Christ right then and there. Like, no one does that. that. They don't put up that billboard for the people that are driving past it. They put up that billboard for themselves. So they feel like they've done something. Like, don't be those people. Like, don't be those billboard people. Like, be someone that, like, if you want to make a difference, understand how to get real comfortable with this shit so that you can talk about it, like, in your sleep. And, like, don't. Hold back. Withhold. Yeah. And your friend, I'm sorry that he's going through a hard time, but you know what? This too shall pass. Good times and bad times, this too shall pass. And where he's going to end up has nothing to do with your friendship or how good of a person you are or how hard you tried. Because at the end of the day, it's his own decision. And you can't you can't browbeat someone into doing what's best for them. It's unfortunate, but it's part of life. I always think about this one uh, very interesting study where they had uh, they were trying to test if cocaine was addictive to the point of death or whatever and they, they had all these rats and it had like one cage had like a cocaine jar and then a jar of water whatever but it was just a cage and then they studied it and all the rats became complete drug addicts and killed themselves on it and then they said Makes well sense. Well, this is the test, and cocaine will kill you. And then another scientist said, you know what? I think that there's a flaw in this. So he made, like, a rat heaven where there was one very small little room that had the cocaine in the, in the water jar, but um, then it had all these pipes where they could run and all these, like, fitness equipment, and then they would have all these different varieties of food. This is the carrot room. This is this. It was very clean, but also, like, you know, they had, like, all this playground to jump around in. And um, so it's like, uh, and then those rats. And they rats, started killing each other anyway. No, those rats, they, they they saw their friends go for the cocaine, and it didn't really work out for them. So they had, but they socialized, and all of them thrived, and all of them stayed away from this. So what does that tell you? It's like community and the environment you're in. If there's only your own sorrow, you're the only only the chair the sofa of trauma in your brain and a jar of cocaine you're just going to do that you gotta like diversify out to the community and be a credit to your community in order to heal yourself in order to you know i uh very proud i go here and i teach kids how to box and i watch them explode and awesome. it makes me feel better you know so um uh, Didn't Dave Chappelle do a bit about that where he talked about how like Mariah Carey took her clothes off from TRL and about how Martin is like screaming and sleep, like having a gun in the middle of the intersection? He's like, maybe these people aren't crazy, maybe it's just their environment will be toxic. Exactly, exactly. And so, you know, it's sad for me because uh, roommate, Klaus Jr., um, you know, I ha we live <laughs> in the same environment, but I, ha I, you know, also, you know, People like you, people like Tripoli, uh, take take me in. People like Charlie Robinson, take me in on the digital highway. Charlie's great people. Sam's great people too. I can't say like, dude, love both his boys. Like you know, pieces. so I have purpose. I I know what I'm doing. I'm trying. You know, I have like purpose. 
And, um, you know, because I have tools uh, to, to navigate because I've lived in New Orleans, I've lived in L.A., I've lived in New York, I have a friend group, so this is keeping me uh, together. But, uh, but I also work full-time, you know, so it's like I'm trying to balance all the different aspects. And, you know, someone's drug addiction, when it, when it cascades into destroying your life, okay, and it cascades into, you know, owing me a ton of effing money, for effing rent and stuff, it's like, you know, it's hard to be like, to create a nice environment for that person and not to shame spiral that person. But like, you, yeah, I'm going to be a mom. I'm going to be a mom for a minute. Here. All right. All I'm right, going to say right. something to you. You cannot, look, never loan anyone money that you can afford to just give to me. Not loan. Because that way, if you can, not it doesn't matter. If someone, rent, it doesn't matter if it's one day. If someone owes you one day of money and you can't afford that one day for your rent or whatever else, they've got to go then and there. It's not being unkind. It's not being, if anything, like, especially people that have, like, major drug problems and all, yeah. you're helping them. The faster they hit the ground is the faster they know where the bottom is. You, The best place in the world is to be someone who's out of bucks. To, to hit rock bottom means there's nowhere to go but up. But anybody that facilitates, Someone who has like a, a disease like drug addiction. I'm not talking about like weed. Who can talk about weed? I'm talking about like people that like have real like addiction problems. Yeah. Um, those people, all you're doing when you facilitate their addictions by like giving them passes or like helping them out, you're just elongating the inevitable rock bottom ground hit. And the longer you keep them above air, and the more hope you give them, right? Yeah. The worse the addiction gets. It's better to just let them eat shit like pavement, right, and then get up out of that mess. I mean, I love to say hitting rock bottom is the best thing that can happen to me because there's nowhere to go but up. And you hope that it rains, you can swim to the top because climbing is hard. And right? I've, I've even, I've written Klaus Jr. like handwritten letters like, you know, your drug addiction is out of control, your entitlement's out of control, you know what I mean? And um, Narcissist, right? You're, you're just, uh, you're talking to a wall. Then I'll just like wake up on a dirty couch you know, with like a bald eagle's head decapitated, like on a crappy chain on my neck, and with a letter. And you're like, not even divorced. No, no, just like, and it'll be like, um, thank you for caring about me, Klaus Jr. And it's just like, I don't think he's learning his lesson here. You know, I don't do a good impression of Klaus Jr. By the way, but I, I think I think you're hilarious. You were very very funny. Matter of fact, I had to go up on stage after you in a, at DFW at the uh, the Temple Hat thing. And I was like, I just don't even know words. <laughs> I, I panicked because you were so good. Like, everyone was just enamored by you. It, it was yeah. an amazing experience. That wasn't me. Like, you, I'm telling you that wasn't me. Well, I'm very insecure. I'm very insecure. Work. I'm very codependent. Uh, Klaus Jr. is the opposite of all those things. So. How many cats do you have? Zero. Good answer. <laughs> I'm allergic as hell to cats. If I... I'm super allergic. I don't. I don't trust anything that shits in a box and walks on my counters. Sorry, I was. I kind. know. Oh, I, you. It's my not brother, personal. My brother has a cat too. You're right. It shits in a litter box and then wants to crawl all, all over you. It's like get this fucking thing out. I of was you. like, I was like, Alex, you're really hot. I thought you had a cat. <laughs> oh yeah, Flash Junior is gonna go see him on the 23rd, and uh, yeah, I hope he vacuums before that. Um, Anyway. Yeah, speaking of texting someone too much, I was like, "You've got to make friends with each other." <laughs> I thought I thought he lived in Dallas because uh, I, you know, that's where I met him uh, backstage with Klaus. But um, yeah, he lives here, so I'm gonna go see him. Yeah, I know. 
Yeah, uh, he's uh, he's doing great. Like, talk about like someone that I am super proud to like know. Like, he's yeah. braver. He's braver than I am. Like, you you both of y'all are brave. Like, when I do comedy, it's like always super safe because like, uh, God, like again, like being a female and being an attractive female and you do comedy, everyone hates me before I even get on the stage. Fat. Like people that I don't know, people that never heard me, people that don't know me, they hate my guts. And I have to go, like prove myself because it's so much harder. I'm like, man, I wish I could just like. She's Amy Schumer, as a matter of fact, gained weight as a female comedian because she was like, I want people to take me seriously. Still, no one takes you seriously, Amy. She got fat for nothing. But <laughs> point being is, point being is, is like it, it's very strange. Like uh, the club we have here in Charleston. Matter of fact, I'm thinking about starting a club here. I'm gonna call it the uh, the uh, what was it? Damn it! It was a really good name too. It's on, it's on my business paperwork. I'm so like tired right now. Uh, oh, that's right. Oh, I was going to call it Guyana. Guyana Punchline. That's right. Guy and a Punchline. Oh. But have like everything be like Jim Jones theme. Guyana Punchline. I like it. Hey. I like it too. It. It's original. Like Guy and a Punchline. Like, oh, no, no, no. Wait, wait. Guy and a Punchline. <laughs> yeah, Go and I'll, I'll do your gig. Please please mm -hmm. let me do it. You know, it's, it's really sad and frustrating for me because like I have specials out on YouTube, conspiracies and dick jokes, fart porn and beer halls. It's medical device as me. And like uh, people only email me for gigs and they're like, I'm like, can I, can I do it? And they're like, ah, oh, is Klaus there? I'm like, you know, okay. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm trying to get gigs and everyone's asking me to ask Klaus. It's so annoying. Well, I don't, I don't expect he's going to be around much longer. Yeah. So he might want to diversify. Yeah, good point. Um, all right. I want no, to no one's pretending to be Hunter Biden these days. <laughs> Klaus Jr. is best friends with Hunter Biden, so he, they could still pal around. You could just, just go up on stage and paint something horrible. It'd <laughs> be like $5 million. $5 million. With Klaus Jr. in the corner. Yeah, he just shits on a canvas. That's so frustrating. Happy, happy little tree. I, I spent like fucking so seven years on a screenplay. I can't get a green light, and fucking Jackson Pollock shits on a fucking whatever. Um, I want to you know ask what that you, tells me. That yeah. tells me you're on the right side of the coin, though, because people that are successful, uh, a lot of them scare me. Like I don't, I don't trust people to get overnight success, and there's something that comes with that. Yeah, no, I hear that. Um, I, I want to ask you this last question, and then I want to find how people can find you on the social network. But you said that you were really good friends with uh, John McAfee, and you would text all the time I before he died. Yeah, um, unfortunate. He would. He, there's a lot of rumors out there that he would uh, poop on girls, that he would like cut a hole in a hammock and have them poop on him and all that stuff. We never had that conversation. So when people ask me that, which is like the number one question people ask me, I'm like, dude, or should, should I say the number two question people ask me? Like everyone asks me that, and I'm like, I don't know. He never spoke to me that way. I, I met him when I was like underage. I was like 15 or whatever in like an AOL chat room. Yeah. <laughs> It was like 1990, 80, 1999, right? That's how I met him, like, talk, started talking to him. And I, I was friends with him over all the years. And, like, he would send me stuff in, like, the mail, like, CDs and stuff. He'd be like, go to check this band out. Because he was actually into punk rock and stuff, too. I mean, that's how we ended up being friends. And so, like, the stuff that we would talk about would never be, like, sexy stuff. He never looked at me that way. Uh, probably because he was a sex worker. And he had a thing for sex workers. I was not that kind of girl. He had... He never treated me like a, a female in that aspect. He never like hit on me. He never like, he didn't do that with me. He treated me like 
a colleague or a friend or like a sister, you know? So I don't know about those. I, I've never seen that. I've never seen that side looking of him. Back, I do not know. Looking back, you don't think it was a little sketch that he was uh, AOL chatting with a 15-year-old? Uh, no, because actually, no, I was 16. I'm young. But no, because he never like asked me for pictures. He never. It was not like that. We just talked about music. I'm an old fool. So oh. he probably. I don't even know if he knew that I was that young. Honestly, now that I think about it, I don't think. Yeah, that was back in the ASL days. Like ASL, I'm 15, female from South Carolina. <laughs> no. <laughs> what was your? I don't, I don't think he even knew. What was your uh, screen name? Like, uh, soul musician? Like, what was your... No, it was Kill the Scene Kids. <laughs> oh, okay. You're rallying against the annoying popular girls in your high school. Well, no, no, no. I was rallying against the annoying kids in the punk rock scene, the hardcore scene, the, you know, the pickup change guys. Like, oof, basketball jerseys. I got my nose broken once. I was all the time like, I'm still going to do people. I got to get out of here. I got to do something better. It's um, we have a sponsor for this program, ACBD Remedy. Go to acbdremedy.com. Use code name Eric, E-R-I-C, for 20% off your order. Go to ericollerbach.com. All my dates are there. I'll be in San Antonio, Texas, uh, April Fool's Day, um, so 10 p.m. Um, how can people find you on the social network, Fran Frantic Missy? You talk a mile a minute. Uh, my Instagram got hacked, uh, so don't give that person money. Uh, oh, no. You can just find me on the Twitter under Frantic Missy, or you can Google my podcast I've done with them and as people we discussed uh, under Frantic Missy. Yes, I talk a lot. You don't have to tell me in the comments. Uh, but you know what? Hey, someone's got to do it. Uh, sorry that I'm smart. Well, hey, uh, you're good people, Frantic Missy. It's good to finally meet you for the first time. Uh, you know, you're, you're very nobody knows the trouble you've seen, Eric. <laughs> I'll tell you, dude. This like. Because also the lease is ending, so I think the spiral, you know, there's, uh, there, there's a lot going on with uh, my situation that I'll, I'll probably tell you off air. But uh, uh, this has been Highway Diary, episode 334 with Frantic Missy. And thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Recording stop.